0: Most of us make hopeful decisions like, well, I would like to be making more videos or I would like to be saving more money. But most of those things are just wishful thinking. They don't actually happen, right? We go around saying so many things that don't come to pass. But a done decision is when you make a decision that has the same quality as when someone asks you to do something and you go, done, consider it done, right? Those things do get done because you've given someone your word, right? If your husband says, can you pick up dinner on the way home? And you say, done you're not going to just not pick up dinner on the way home, right? That would be like breaking your word. So why don't we have that same level of responsibility to ourselves? I mean, for the things that really matter, right? I'm not saying every single thing you do has to be at that level of a done decision, right? You can... Decide, you know, I was going to, you know, go out for lunch with my friend, but actually I don't have time. You so know, that's okay. But if it's something about your business or about, you know, a responsibility to your child or something that's really going to make a big difference in your life, we owe it to ourselves to make a done decision, which has these three properties, which is one, it's time bound. Two, it has an emotion attached to it. And three, you know what's at stake, right? It's something where you've identified, hey, I need to do this because, and that that actually matters to me. So taking that minute to identify those three things, which I, I teach you to do in the book, will help you to change your hopeful decisions into done decisions.
1: The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton. And if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I'm so happy that you are here. And today we're going to pick up our episode. 713 left off. Oh my gosh, I lost track of my number. Sometimes I don't remember my name, Julia. Sometimes I don't remember the guest <laughs> names either. So I can I, fill in if you get confused. <laughs> well, why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself today? Because last time I know I got your last name wrong and I don't want to do that again. But
0: it happens a lot, actually. My last name's not so easy. Yes, I'm Julia Pimsler and I'm the author of Million Dollar Women and more recently, Go Big Now.
1: Listeners, I'm going to be saying this the whole episode. You need to go today and get Go Big Now because I've been reading it. I'm not honestly done yet because there's so much gold in there that I I just need to digest and keep on going through. But I need to give it a chance to digest before I just jump on. Is that how you want people reading it? Yeah, I don't think it's a like power through it kind of book
0: because mm-hmm. I spent over two years writing it and about 15 years researching it, not literally, but I've been working on mindset for 15 years with some of the top mindset teachers in the country. And I condensed all that down into this book, which, you know, I don't want to scare people. It's not like a hard, dense read, but there's a lot of things in there that can actually transform your life. So like why rush through it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. When we were chatting last, I shared that I was going through some stuff with my husband in full disclosure that it hasn't ended, but I'm so happy that I've done the mindset training, even just elementary mindset mm-hmm. training that I have over the last four years. Because without that, today's a good day. I just want to put that out there. Today is a good day in my house. There's no fighting. There's communication. But on any other given day, like I might have just shut down because I wasn't able to cope and redirect my thoughts around what was going on in my house.
0: Yeah, that's why we do mindset training, right? Because you can't always control
1: what's happening around you. All you can do is find better ways to react to it. If something were to happen to you, the moment that we got off the call, some devastating, not even devastating, if somebody tried to pick a fight, and please know, listeners, I am not talking about my husband here. But we Hypothetical. Hypothetical, Hypothetical in- okay. What would be your first action to protect yourself and to redirect?
0: Well, the first thing to understand when you do this mindset work is that you're in charge of your mind. Mm-hmm. So it's really not about what other people are doing. It's about how do you want your mindset to be throughout the day? I mean, this is why I meditate and I know a lot of people meditate, but we do it in part because it gives you this very stable foundation so, that it is harder to throw you off your game, right? And you can mm-hmm. stay focused on what's the big thing I'm trying to get done today? What kind of mood do I wanna be in? How do I wanna show up, right? For my children and my friends and my coworkers. And so if somebody tries to throw you off, you know, you're not as likely to be affected by that. Now, I'm not saying you walk around in a state of bliss. And if somebody does something mean or that irritates you, that it doesn't bug you, but you find yourself less reactionary and getting less triggered when you've done some of this work. I found myself more able to
1: just walk away. Yeah. Just decide this is not where I want to go right now. Absolutely. And some yeah. people will keep on poking when you just walk away. Oh, you're wrong what you know, you can't win. You know, you can't win. No, I just don't choose to engage. I don't need to win. I don't need to be right. I choose to preserve my mental space and I don't need to engage. I mean, we see it on social media. Well, I have to say I saw it on social media. I don't spend as nearly as much time there as I used to. Mm -hmm. But when people would get not optimal feedback on their posts, you know, or haters would come in. I've had my own share of haters. There used to be a time when I would engage just because I needed to be right, or I needed them to not think poorly of me. But part of growing up for me and growing into this better mindset journey, there's got to be a better way of putting it, is understanding and being okay that not everybody's going to like me.
0: Yes. That's so important, right? And especially as women, we don't realize how deep this socialization is that you should be liked by everyone as a woman. And the fact is that could be your Achilles heel because wanting to be liked by everyone means that you're compromising on your values half the time, that you're letting people get under your skin who shouldn't get under your skin. And, you know, one of the things I teach in the book is that everybody has their own filtering device in their brain. It's called the RAS, the Reticular Mm -hmm. Activating System. And I know you've already read that chapter, right? So you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's right in the beginning. And when you find out about that, you realize it's really not worth getting too worked up about other people's impressions of you because they're running everything through a totally different filtering device than yours. So you're not even seeing or experiencing the same thing. It's like fighting with someone who just went to see Bambi and you just went to see Die Hard 2 right? And you're fighting about the end of the movie. Well, you saw two different movies. Mm -hmm. So that I think is helpful when people learn that, you know, that it's actually scientific that we're not having the same experience as other people. And, and look, the next level, the first level is if you can acknowledge, okay, you know what, this person's having their own experience and I don't need to engage with their experience. The next level is what can this teach me? Right. And then if you can get to the third level, which is the best level, but it's hard to get there. I'm not there with some of the people who challenged me in my life, but it's, can you have empathy? Yeah. Right. Because someone who is engaging you in a way that doesn't feel good to you, whether they're yelling at you or testing your boundaries or criticizing you, where does that come from for them? Right. Where did they experience that, that they're now replicating that unhelpful behavior, I just had a coaching client call me yesterday saying, you know, this new client of mine is driving me nuts. She's calling me all the time. I don't know what to do. Why doesn't she understand that she can't call me on a Saturday? And, you know, she wanted empathy and I gave her a little bit of empathy, but then I was like, you know what? This is actually a gift. She was like, what do you mean it's a gift? This person's driving me crazy. I said, this is a gift because it's going to force you to create better boundaries because you need it anyway. You You wouldn't even be in this situation right? If you didn't have good boundaries. I was like, none of my coaching clients are calling me on a Saturday morning, right? Because I have good boundaries. So, you know, she realized, oh, wow, you're right. I didn't say to her right up front, you know, you can call me at this time and not at that time. And the first time she overstepped a boundary, she didn't say to her, hey, I'll talk to you this once, or you can change the appointment this once, but this is not how I operate. And so that is forcing her and allowing her, depending which language you want to use, to create some better boundaries that are going to help her with her next two, five and 500 clients.
1: It's hard for me to admit that I went for went through the first seven years of my business without boundaries for clients. Wow. I would sleep with the phone on the table next to my bed, which I honestly still do, but it's on a lower shelf. So it takes effort to get <laughs> to it. Okay. But the notifications and the ringer were on all the time. I would get text messages from West Coast clients and I'm Eastern time zone. For international listeners, this means that they're three hours behind me. They would text me at two, three in the morning and I felt like I had to respond. So my notifications were on all the time.
0: How was that working for you?
1: Oh, it wasn't. (laughs) Because I made myself available all the time, my value to them was perceived as lower. Yes.
0: That's the irony, right? We think we're being such a great, responsive professional when in fact, it's sending a very clear message that you don't value your time. So why should they? Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. How did you stop? I started by turning off notifications on my phone. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound bad, but I was too chicken to say, please don't text me that late. That came later with a whole different client. But I turned off notifications. And at first they would, because it was the client and then their assistant, Kim, Kim, did you get this? Did you get this? (laughs) Because I set up the expectation for them that they would get immediate responses. So I addressed it by saying, yeah, I've realized that I need to take better care of myself and I've started turning off my notifications. That's a great answer. Then it became, well, maybe they text at noon on a Saturday. I've already addressed late night texts and emails, but I didn't address that I was now working on reclaiming my nights and weekends right? So it took a whole bunch of baby steps for that client. Whereas now I'm addressing it straight from the get-go. My hours are 10 to 4. I work Monday through Friday. I'm available for calls Tuesday through Thursday.
0: That's great. And that's a mindset thing too, right? Kim is, is creating that space for self-care, making sure that you have a good balance between when you work and when you're with your family, when you're doing things that are just for fun. I mean, that's part of mindset too. You know, mindset is like this buzzword today. Nobody really knows what it means. It just gets thrown around a lot. But self-care definitely falls under mindset because if you don't have a powerful, strong mindset, then you're not going to create those boundaries and you're not going to value yourself
1: enough. Mm. I used to think that I needed to be at a certain income level to take time off during the week to take care of myself. Wow. Well, you've come a long way. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. And
0: I'd love to hear you know, what's resonating with you in the book.
1: Oh, so much. I just want to share one quick story on that, though. The first kick that I learned that I needed to take care of myself was my whole team, who I absolutely love and loved then. We're not necessarily working together right now threatened to walk off if I did not go to the doctor or the hospital immediately because I had 104 fever and I was trying to push right through it. They're like, well, you know, your business isn't going to be here if you're not here. You have to take care of yourself. Either you go or we go. (laughs) That's kind of crazy that it took that, right? (laughs) Yes. And I'm so exceptionally grateful. I hate to say this, but it's just what's freshest in my mind because I was rereading the first chapter right before here. It's always fascinating to hear where mindset journeys began and to hear that yours began at such a young age and from such devastating circumstances, the loss of your dad. Yes. I really appreciate that it came in so early, but I wish that for children now it didn't have to take something devastating for the mindset exercises to start because my kids aren't, I mean, they learn what I teach them and I'm doing my best to teach them as much as I can. And I think I actually shared some of that with my son when he thought that he wasn't getting any financial aid. I, thought, I told him just to keep his chin up and keep on going forward. If you want to hear that story, listeners, go back to episode 713, which was part one of Julia and my conversation.
0: Yeah, that was a great story and such a mindset moment, right? And yeah. our kids can benefit so much from these
1: tools. And my littles, they want to have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. They watch kids with YouTube channels all the time. And I've been sheltering them a little bit just because I didn't feel that they were mature enough. I mean, they're six and seven, so oh, they, yeah, they're totally. still yeah. immature. <laughs> but no other parents want their kids watching channels where all the kids do is make fart noises and sounds. <laughs>
0: well, and I mean, also it's going to whatever they put out there is going to follow them around the rest of their lives. Right. We exactly. all have to keep that in mind now as parents can't take it back.
1: But I want to prepare them for the fact that not everybody's going to like their videos. They are going to get thumbs down. They're going to get rude comments. And I don't know that my kids are ready for rejection. Maybe they just don't see it because, I mean, they're not going to necessarily be managing their channel. I want to make sure that they're prepared when they get there. But anyway, going back, your dad died and your mindset journey began. And it sounds like an amazing person, but you've done so much since then.
0: it was very cathartic writing about it because in a way that was always like my dark secret. I mean, certainly people knew my father had passed away, but I had never written about this very life-changing moment when he just didn't come to pick us up for school, right? He died very suddenly of a heart attack. And so that was such a shock to the system as an eight-year-old girl that I think I did have to make a big decision in that moment. It wasn't a conscious decision. I was too young. But you know, do I go towards the pain or do I go towards what could take me out of the pain? And it's not about denial because obviously grief is very important and I did have a chance to grieve him. But at every juncture in our life where things don't go the way we want, or maybe even there's a huge tragedy, we sometimes forget that we have a choice, right? And so that's why I started with that story because I did make a choice then, even though I didn't realize I was making it. And I've since made it over and over and over again and decided to become a mindset coach to help other people make those choices. Because I think that's one of my main messages in the book is like, we have so much more agency than we realize. And once we do, it's really empowering and exciting to think that you can choose how to react to things and choose how
1: to go through life. Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. If you haven't gathered by now, I love empowering entrepreneurs with the systems, support and community to work smarter instead of harder. So today I want to invite you to visit thugkimsutton.com forward slash connect to find a huge list of resources and ways that you can connect with me and my community. Remember, it's not about being everywhere, but it's about being in the best place for our business at the right time. Again, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash connect to see the whole list of ways that you can connect with me and other members of the positive productivity community. Now let's get back to today's episode. I want to skip forward to key five, bust your limiting beliefs. That's a big one. Do you think that anybody can say that they've ever worked through all of their limiting beliefs?
0: The limiting beliefs are a bit like whack-a-mole, that game, right? Mm -hmm. If you whack one mole, then another mole pops up. And if you don't know what that is, you can Google it. But um, (laughs) we're of an age where we know what that is. Yes, definitely. Uh, Yeah. So it's like that with limiting beliefs. I mean, I conquered a big one that I wrote about in the book, which was, can I raise venture capital? For my company, I was running my language teaching company and I wanted to go raise money. And I was so worried I couldn't, or I really believed I couldn't, because I hadn't gone to business school. I didn't have a finance background, but that was just a limiting belief and I busted through it. But as soon as you do that, not as soon as, hopefully you can celebrate that for a little while and enjoy the rewards, which I did. I raised $6 million for my company and we got up into the multi millions. But then other ones started popping up, right, like on the personal front. And what's nice is once you have this framework of, oh, that's a limiting belief, here's how I get rid of it, it's not so scary when they pop up because you realize I have a system for getting through this, right? Like the other one I shared in the book was getting over the limiting belief of I can't drive. I grew up in New York. I never really drove much growing up. I never had to drive. I married a man from California who loved to drive. So for years and years, I was not behind a wheel. And it sort of solidified into this idea that I can't drive, not just that I wasn't driving. And then that was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because I would avoid it a little bit. Right. And at one point, I had to face that because we got divorced. I had to go pick up the kids from camp, and I didn't know how to drive and get them there. And at first I was like, no, I can't do this. I'm going to have to hire a driver, right? To drive me three hours into the woods in Massachusetts to get my kids. And happily, I actually pulled out my book, Million Dollar Women, and looked at the exercise I had provided there of how to bust through limiting beliefs and busted through that one too. So no, you can't ever get them all, but having a method for what to do when they pop up is very comforting and empowering.
1: I just want listeners to understand that You busted through your limiting beliefs of learning how to drive, not just on any ordinary roads, but in probably (laughs) what would be some of the scariest roads to drive on anywhere. You mean getting out of New York, getting in and out of New York. (laughs) I-95, where people are going 95 instead of 60? Well, thank you for that
0: acknowledgement. I appreciate it. Well, I did practice a lot before. You know, step four of busting and limiting beliefs, and I'll just run through it real quick for the listeners. You know, step one is saying it out loud. Step two is writing it down and sharing it with a coach, mentor, or therapist, not just any random friend, because they have their own limiting beliefs, and that can mm-hmm. affect how they guide you. So do find someone you, you trust, who's experienced to help you with this. Then the third step is what is the positive opposite? of that limiting belief, right? So in my case, it was, I'm a great driver and I love driving, which sounded insane when it came out of my mouth, right? Because it couldn't be further from the truth I was living at that time. But step four is what allows you to get there. So step four is coming up with 10 action steps of things you can do that are what someone who has the empowering belief would be doing. So what does someone who loves driving and is really good at it what are 10 things they would be doing? And then you start doing those things. And the first few feel awful, Kim, right? Because they're things that you've been avoiding. In my case, you know, driving for 15 years. So I had to go driving on weekends and volunteer to drive and make playlists to play in the car. There were all these things that people who love driving do that I didn't even know existed. You know, go to drive throughs and order food. I had to go interview friends of mine. Like, what do you like about driving? Talk to me about this. And, you know, I love using this driving example because it sounds so silly to most people listening, especially if you don't live in a big city, right? And you have to drive. That's not even optional. But if I, who built a multimillion-dollar company, right, could then have the humility to go figure out how to bust through this thing and make it work, then whatever it is you're stuck on, find the humility to just say, you know what? I don't know how to get through this. Like, I don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. Let me go interview my friends who are in a loving, healthy relationship and see what kind of things they're doing. Or let me interview someone who has built their business up to being a $500,000 a year business or $1.5 million business. What kinds of things are they doing and thinking and believing? And that's really how you can make those big shifts.
1: So my husband and I worked through a limiting belief a few years ago, where anytime we got larger sums of money, Mm -hmm. maybe a tax refund, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this, but like he was in college. So we would get the excess student loans to pay for living expenses. Right. We occasionally made more than occasionally made stupid spending decisions. Okay. We were both raised in households that struggled financially. When money came in, it went right back out again. And I think both of us probably saw a little bit of this frivolous spending from our parents where they better spend it before somebody else gets it. Interesting. Right. Yes. What was the limiting belief? Can you articulate it? We didn't want to hold on to money because we were afraid that Uh. somebody else would get it. Like, let me just say it led to financial hardships for my husband and I, because sometimes we would go out to eat when we really had to pay that utility bill. Right. So the utilities would get shut off Mm -hmm. because we were afraid that something would happen that would take our money and we wouldn't have it. But then we would spend it in other ways. So one of my early coaches said, Kim, what's your zero? And I didn't understand. He said, what is the amount of money that you're comfortable with having in your bank account? And I said to him at that point, I said, as long as it's not red, I'm okay with it. (laughs) He said, is that a safe place to be living from? No. Not really. Well, our bank accounts haven't seen red in I don't know how long. It's amazing when you stop having to pay overdraft fees. Just need to put it out there. I'm not saying that we're swimming in money, but my new limiting belief is, okay, we've got money. Should I really be spending it on this or this or this? (laughs) This week, it's been my nails look less than optimal. I did them last week. I used this. As a woman, you might understand, I use gel nail polished, so I don't have the gel nail polish remover. Wow. And I've almost held myself back from doing videos because I use my hands a lot and I didn't want anybody to see my crappy nails. Okay. Who cares about the crappy nails if the message is good? So I went ahead with it. But yesterday and today I've been struggling with, do I really want to go spend $35 to get my nails done? And so what's the new
0: limiting belief? So the old limiting belief was if we don't spend the money, then it might just disappear.
1: So we have to just spend it, even if we're making bad choices. Now the limiting belief is there's money in the account is the self-care, the best way to spend the money. And I'm going to bash that one right now. Yeah, it is. Well, because it doesn't mean you have to go broke doing it. Well, it's about scarcity versus abundance, isn't it, Kim? Absolutely. And the more that I'm not worried about scarcity... I'm a religious person. Two years ago I gave it to God as much as I could, but I've been working through that more. And so not only am I gonna go get my nails done this afternoon, I signed up for a wardrobe subscription service again earlier today. There's nothing that I detest more than clothes shopping. I just don't like it. So how you're making videos and you want to look good and feel confident. Yeah. So how about I just have someone else do (laughs) that? Yeah, have somebody else do it and eliminate that excuse. Yes. Of, well, this is the result today. over reasons, right? I don't know yep. if you got to that part of the book. I did. You yep. did.
0: Okay. So, so many of us live our lives with so many reasons that we don't get what we want mm-hmm. or we can't do this thing or it's not the right time. But if you flip it and you use this mindset key, and the reason we keep saying the word key is that I explored these mindset practices as keys. I presented them as keys, almost like keys to a door that like unlocks something in your brain. And so the results over reasons is when you do the opposite, right? You start with, okay, what needs to happen? And so in your case, I need to be making videos. Like that's a big part of my business model. And so instead of having all these reasons not to do it, right? Oh, I don't have the right clothes. My nails aren't right. You just say the results is what matters. And you just reverse engineer getting there, which it sounds like exactly what you did.
1: Absolutely. And I love that you're using reasons. I've always used excuses. Well, the, you know, I like the alliteration. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I love alliteration. I mean, positive productivity podcasts. I well, mean,
0: there you I'm, go. Of course. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, so he's I mean, in a pod. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> like it just sounds a little bit more gentle on ourselves. But I've had a long standing relationship with excuses, and I'm breaking up with them. I love it.
0: I love it. You're making done decisions, right? Yes, absolutely. Because most of us make hopeful decisions like, well, I would like to be making more videos or I would like to be saving more money. But most of those things are just wishful thinking. They don't actually happen, right? We go around saying so many things that don't come to pass. But a done decision is when you make a decision that has the same quality as when someone asks you to do something and you go, done, consider it done, right? Those things you do get done because you've given someone your word right? If your husband says, can you pick up dinner on the way home? And you say, done, you're not going to just not pick up dinner on the way home, right? That would be like breaking your word. So why don't we have that same level of responsibility to ourselves? I mean, for the things that really matter, right? I'm not saying every single thing you do has to be at that level of a done decision, right? You can decide, you know, I was going to, you know, go out for lunch with my friend, but actually I don't have time. (laughs) So that's okay. But if it's something about your business or about, you know, a responsibility to your child or something that's really going to make a big difference in your life, we owe it to ourselves to make a done decision, which has these three properties, which is one, it's time bound. Two, it has an emotion attached to it. And three, you know what's at stake, right? It's something where you've identified, hey, I need to do this because, and that that actually matters to me. So taking that minute identify those three things, which I I teach you to do in the book, will help you to change your hopeful decisions into done decisions.
1: Mm, Personal integrity has become more of a part of my life. I would do anything to keep promises that I made to other people to the extent that I was working 20 to 22 hours a day, but keeping integrity to myself. Yes. Yes. Amazing. I mean, not amazing, not good. I
0: don't (laughs) want to say amazing, like, wow, because we don't want to celebrate that, right? I mean, I'm sure you got a lot done. But for listeners, right? We want to be like, no, there's a way to work smart, not hard.
1: Right, exactly. And I just want to address that for a second. I really didn't get a lot done. When you're working yourself (laughs) to the bone like that, your productivity crashes.
0: Well, thank you for admitting that.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. I took three times as long on everything as I possibly did.
0: Well, and you know, you're reminding me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but a dear friend just posted to her social media, you know, I'm pregnant and I'm running my business and I'm really trying to figure out how to make more time for myself because eventually that's going to be time I get to spend with my baby. Like I have to figure out how to carve out more time. And she was like, how do I do that? Any tips? And so I just wrote it, make the decision. Mm. Right? Because at the end of the day, every big change in our life starts with the decision to make it. And that's where I think a lot of people go awry, is that they want things to be different in their life, but they're not willing or ready or able to make the decision to make that change. And so it sounds like at some point you made the decision, like, I don't want to live like this
1: anymore, or this isn't even working for me. You just named this episode, make the decision. Make That's absolutely it. And remember listeners that you don't need to only keep promises to other people. I mean, the first person that you need to keep promises to is yourself. Yes. Period. I want to thank you so much for coming back for a part two. And this feels like just the best bite-sized chunk that if any listener will just go out there today and commit to making the decision to say yes to themselves and following through on those things that they promised to themselves that would be a first huge win for anybody who is just starting this journey how do you feel
0: it absolutely would yes i love that and also to realize that there are these practices that are not that hard you just learned a couple of them today right results over reasons busting through limiting beliefs and that just by learning these mindset practices, you can feel you know, more joyful, more empowered, and just show up as kind of that bigger version of yourself, which is I know why I started learning these mindset practices and why so many people are adopting them. So thanks for having me back on, Kim. I love the conversation. And to your listeners,
1: stay brave and go big, as I always like to say. You are so welcome, Julia. To close out the show, I just want to invite you, our listener, to head on over to the forward slash pp717, where you'll be able to find the transcript, all the show notes, and the links so that you can go purchase your own copy of Go Big Now. I had to look over. I was just thinking about making the decision, but make (laughs) sure to leave a comment down below. Let us know what your biggest aha was on this episode and share the episodes of your social media platform so that your friends can enjoy it as well. Julia, thank you so much for joining me again. This has been such a pleasure. I
0: loved it. Thanks for having me back on,
1: Kim. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.